Valencia played a couple uh, Champions League final consecutively in 2000-2001. The Gen Z probably won't remember that. But uh, we, the older generation, I was there. I was there with my dad. We played Bayern Munich in Milan, and we lost in the penalty shootout. And that was really, really hard because you know, for for club, Champions League is the most important title you can ever win. Uh, since then, we have not even been close to to repeat uh, another final. So we played two years final in a row. First year we we lost, but then the second year we thought that we had the enough experience to win the final, and it was a pity because it was just you know penalty shootout is completely a, a lottery. John Dutton. I'm very well, thank you. My pleasure to join you. Thank you so much, Eugenie. This is uh, quite an honor. I appreciate you uh, you extending the offer to to come here and speak today. Pedro Diaz Rudal. First of all, thanks for having me, and excited, you know, to be part of this podcast. Ronan Doniger. Huge. Thank you very much. I suppose first of all for having me on your show. Dean Butchen. The key point is ask, 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 and never give up. And welcome to E Procast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to ePROcast. I'm your host, The Big E. And a quick reminder before diving into today's episode that the Instagram Live series starts very soon. Can't wait to get some cool guests and talk about stuff around the business of sports, like European versus American sports model, technology in sports, future fans, and many, many more. So go to my Instagram, at huge.pro, and follow me there to not miss a thing. In today's episode, I virtually teleported to Valencia, Spain, where I had the opportunity to sit down and have a quality conversation with the new Digital Innovations Director of Valencia Club de Football, Franco Segara. Franco has a technical background in IT, and I admired the way he built his way into the business side of sports and namely started as ticketing, fan experience, and data analytics manager. And now, in this tough times, he got promoted to C-level role as Digital Innovations Director, an area which is now crucial more than ever, especially with no fans allowed in the stands and game day revenues basically equal to zero. So my conversation with Franco Segara starts now. All right, everyone, welcome back to a new episode of ePROcast. And today I'm excited for the guest today uh, because it took some, uh, some time to get on the podcast. Uh, I love how active he is in uh, in sharing his story and his experience and background. Uh, and of course, being with a team like Valencia CF keeps him busy a lot. But Franco, thanks a lot for accepting the invitation to join the, the podcast and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eugenio. So for everyone uh, out there, Franco Segara is the uh, Digital Innovation Director at Valencia CF. For uh, you've been in this position for for a couple of months now, right? Yeah, I joined Valencia CF as uh, head of of um, data and ticketing and fan experience, and I was promoted a couple of months back, uh, just when the COVID struck. Uh, I was promoted to director. Yeah, Franco, won't you won't just share your background prior to Valencia? Because we really, I like to say. How interesting are those stories when, you know, a lot of non-sports backgrounds get to work in sports? And I really think this will be valuable to the listeners to see, in your case, as a technical background. And we want to see how 
uh, and the listeners want to want to hear how with this kind of background you can get to work uh, in executive role with with a team with a brand like Valencia's uh, Club de Football. Of course, I'm a computer science engineer, so I'm I'm 35 years old now. So I started computer science engineer from 2003 to 2008 here in Valencia. Then I was offered a position in the university so I could code and um, get my skills on on artificial intelligence. I did a master in artificial intelligence. Back then in 2009, artificial intelligence was not that trendy as it is now. So so I was one of the first ones to do uh, that master's in, in, in Valencia. And then I started my PhD, but I suddenly realized I was not really into the the PhD thing, the type of, of um, just continue studying and so on. I, I like to have the commercial side of things. So uh, I kept on uh, changing companies. Uh, I've worked for a couple of companies uh, abroad. For example, I worked for, for a company called Noralto, where I was the commerce manager in, in uh, Lille in France. I also worked as a CTO in a company that was based in Boston, but we had our our technical team in in Valencia, and then I jumped to uh, banking world. Uh, so I got married and so on. So I thought that maybe I should stop uh, changing so much. Uh, startups are fun, but they are quite volatile. So I I decided to to stay still for a bit. So I started doing some uh, banking migrations, which is basically when one bank buys another bank and so on. So I was the leader in. In the in the cards um, vertical in the banks. So I worked for a bank, it's a Spanish bank that bought another bank in UK. So I was constantly traveling back and forth from UK to to uh, to Spain to Barcelona uh, every week and so on for three years. So I was kind of tired also because I was not seeing my family. And uh, then I decided to approach Valencia uh, CF. I've done that in the past, but this time uh, I got an answer. Uh, it was from the digital transformation director. He wanted to to know me. He was quite new to the to the role. Also, he he was he has been in the role uh, around six months when I contacted him first. So he liked the fact that being from Valencia, I had the experience of working abroad. You know, sometimes when you work in other companies in other countries, you you get and feel things that if you just work in your city, um, you you don't get to 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 experience. So he liked because he was also working in banking before. So he liked that set of abilities. In my career, what I've been what I've been doing is since I'm a technical guy, I'm an engineer. I tried and uh, I was never that very good on programming or technical things. I was better. Uh, understanding what was the technical compromise and what was the technical um, implications of everything that was happening and trying to defend those and growing in those conversations, in the strategic conversations. I realized that most of the people that take decisions do not know the implications in the technical side. So I thought that I had the opportunity to grow, of course, from technical to operative, uh, operative to strategic to executive, uh, based on what I knew about technology. I knew technology was always going to be a huge thing in whatever company. Back in 2008, it was probably not that big, but now everyone sees that it's something that you cannot miss. So 
uh, I started seeing that uh, my skill set should be uh, completed with more of um, marketing roles and more of, of um, administration roles and so on, management roles. So it was that set of abilities, that, that both skills that I believe uh, Valencia CF thought that, that was interesting. A guy that was able to do technical stuff, but a guy that was able to speak, let's say, English or Spanish, not just nerdy or techie, let's say. Right. Um, so, so that was basically the way I got into Valencia, by writing via LinkedIn to who was the digital transformation director at the time. Uh, we got to meet, I met the president, and he liked also the set of skill set and the project that was, I was setting for them. Basically, what I was trying to bring across the uh, football industry, and in this case, by NTCF, was um, data-driven culture, which is kind of something that is really common in every single company. But unfortunately, it's not that common on uh, football or other sports. It, those uh, Sports, let's say it's a bit of delay with respect to the rest of the society because there's so much passion in it. There's so much fan experience and fans in between that uh, most of them have not made the change that most of the other industries have done 10, 15, 20 years ago, which is basically let's measure stuff. Let's try and optimize, improve, learn from our mistakes and so on. Fubo was just kind of, oh, let's do this because I say so kind of uh, company. So they like this um, this view that, that that we were having, and that's what got me into Valencia, yeah, basically. Right. Uh, you mentioned how you had the technical uh, the technical aspect. You know, uh, you're a professional in, in, on the technical side, and then uh, you were more of a extrovert. You know, like very communicative person, and so on. Um, do you believe in this uh, stereotype that you know the the computer science guys are more like introverts or something like this? And how 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 open they should they should be in order to be a step ahead uh, when it comes to to sports business? I think there's we we don't have to generalize in the fact that that there's very good data scientists, uh, coders, programmers that just want to be coders and programmers, and I respect that. And those people should be paid exactly as much as the guys that, uh, because technically they're, they're, they're probably not going to be any, any better than them. Um, I like people that are clear about, okay, I'm a very good coder. I just want to put my headphones on. I just want to go to just give me what I have to do and they'll do that uh, perfectly. And that is very uh, respectful. And that is very important that people want to go in depth and become better technically. Me, I saw that I was not one of those guys. So I thought that my opportunity was to uh, grow in, in the vertical way in the company, uh, basically because I thought that I could have a set of skills. So I was okay coding, I was okay communicating, I was okay managing. So I had um, a set of, of, of skills that, that, that were interesting, but we need both. I, I mean, people should not get frustrated if they are not able of having communicative skills. Maybe, maybe they just have to be uh, very good on what they do. And that could be even better than, than, than escalating or, or racing in the, in the company uh, hierarchy. I've met people in USA, it's very different in Spain, for example. Usually in Spain, the technical guy that's coder uh, he doesn't get paid as much as the guy that's managing the team. Right. But in U.S., it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. So in U.S., those that are very good coders could earn as much money or perhaps even more money than the guys that are managing them. 
if we relate this to the football industry, it's like saying uh, coaches should get paid more than players. And that's not always true. It might be true for Atletico Madrid, but I doubt <laughs> that the coach in Barcelona earns more money than Messi, for example. So if one guy is very good doing what they do, you just have to pay them a lot. Uh, he could be manager, he could be a football player, he could be whatever you think he is. Uh, in Sevilla, you have Monty, for example, and, and he does his job perfectly also. So, so basically what I'm saying is that you need to find uh, on what you're good at and you need to find the company that values uh, what you're good at and, and, and rewards you the way you should. In my case, I saw that, that I was not good in, in, in something specific. I was good in a set of things. Uh, and that's what I brought to, to Valentia. That's awesome. And I love it. Uh, Franco, touch basing your experience, your first um, role within uh, Valencia CF, the ticketing fan experience and data analytics manager, management role. You've been there for two years. How, how big was that team that you were managing and how new was that, let's say, area uh, within, within the organization? So uh, we have to say, I have to say that people might think of Valencia and everyone knows probably Valencia, everyone that's into football, of course, or soccer. But Valencia is quite small uh, in, in terms of employee size. We are not even uh, 300 uh, people working, and that is counting the sports side. So we are around 300, 350 people uh, counting the work, the, 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 um, the sports side, which is uh, there's lots of people working there. If we just say about the company, uh, the offices, the headquarters, and so on, and say we are less than 100 people working here. So when I first joined, again, there's three teams. We, uh, I had the data team, which is the one that I knew, and that was quite small. There was around three people. But then uh, there was also the fan experience team, which is kind of also customer support, and that was around seven, eight people. It, it, it even got a point where it was 10, 11 people. And this is fun because they gave me the quantitative side of the company, which is basically data. So data you're able of measuring how well are we doing in any side of the organization, marketing or e-commerce or ticketing or, or any other place. And then they gave me the qualitative side of things because not everything is numbers. So fun experience gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of people face to face and see, okay, my numbers, my numbers say we are good, but then I meet, I meet people and um, the quality of, of what we're doing is not good. So I had these two sides of things and then ticketing, there's four, five, six people, depending on, on uh, ticketing offices and so on, on the importance of mass. We hire some people and some other ones. But uh, let's say basically at some points it was around 20, more or less, 15 to 20 people. It, 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 it varies a lot depending on the importance of the mass. So we might need more people in ticket offices or we may need more people in the front office uh, for uh, issues and so on. But yeah, it's around 15 to 20 people. Uh, Franco, and the new role as the um, Digital Innovations Director, we're in a very strange era right now. You know, um, you've experienced um, like a third of the last season without fans. You're, you, you started the new season without fans. From your point of view, how crucial and how important it is to come up with new things and of course, uh, share more about your responsibilities from the digital aspect and how important it will be digital moving forward without, of course, fans in the stands. 
I say even more than digital, I think it's innovation. Innovation doesn't necessarily have to be just digital. Uh, in this new role, it's basically the same things that I was doing. It's just that I, um, I just, I, I just have a, a direct contact with the chairman, president in this case. So I have um, direct access to to propose and 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 see what are the next steps that we should be doing. And uh, for a computer science engineer, these moments where everything is new. It's kind of common. Uh, most of the computer science engineers I meet, um, they have to be uh, constantly evolving because there's there's new uh, uh, coding languages. Uh, Swift, for example, in Apple has no more than four or five years. So, so there's very new things every day. Amazon launches this, uh, Alexa, and then Siri does this thing. So, so everyone is used to to do uh, new stuff all, all, all along and every day. And in this case, I think that background is helping us uh, stay in, in, in the position where we are constantly ready to see how this situation is, is going to affect. Uh, for example, we just launched in a very special year where we believe that uh, innovation is key for us. We just launched, for example, an innovation hub, which is basically a startup accelerator in Valencia CF Stadium, uh, because we believe there's lots of good local talent and international talent. We believe that um, uh, entrepreneurship is really important when there's crisis. And we believe this is the way to go forward for us. So we are betting already on, on many specific companies and startups that have very specific needs. Uh, we have invested recently in uh, AR company, augmented reality. We believe this is a really good move because, for example, if, if the people are not allowed to get back into the stadiums, how can we make them feel at home uh, as, 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 as if they were in the stadium? I believe uh, mental reality could help that. So I think it's a good position to be promoted because uh, and, and, a, and a very good moment because basically I'm the kind of people I'm quite new in the company, so everything was already new to me. So um, I definitely don't feel strange to these new scenarios. Just a matter of making everyone think. Uh, people that are more experienced than me and have been longer than me in, in this situation, uh, in their company, this situation is new for them. And whatever they knew does not apply now. And that's also kind of one of the advantages I think uh, we have now. And the innovation basically means that, means staying tuned, reading a lot, um, forcing new changes, try and test, and, and, and basically, that's what we are doing currently. Uh, we spoke about the innovation hub, but there's so many more other things that we are trying to do and become better. Right. I'll actually jump in here. And uh, um, there was some questions coming also from, from the listeners of the podcast. And I think this is linked to actually to what you shared right now. And there's a question, what are the trends in this area moving forward in, in the COVID time? And where this area, let's call the digital or in, and digital innovations, uh, is going? Where do you see, or what, from your from your point of view, what do you see happening in the next five years? I see that many things uh, are accelerating. For example, uh, there's there's technologies like cashless that are already in the past. We had that, but now in my turn from a recommendation, as it was in the past, we recommend you to pay in cashless. It's faster for you and better for you. But now it might be the new policy. It's it's I mean it's safer for you. Um, there's also many things happening on the 
uh, ticketing side, for example, in the past, we still use, I have to say, we still use uh, paper tickets. So going paperless right now, again, because of COVID might be a must. So, but for example, we used to have um, QR codes in printed in, in, in your phone, or you could have the QR code. Maybe we had to go one step further, which is NFC, uh, which is basically the way we pay with cars on the phone, like Apple Pay and so on. Uh, we might have to do that, which is contactless, not only paperless, but also contactless. And then uh, I'd say the next the next move will be going uh, with biometrics, uh, with entering the stadium with your face. I know that airlines are already doing that with some of the passengers and so on. Uh, so in this case, we might experience a jump of a generation. So usually you, we should go from QR to NFC to biometrics. And perhaps people in this situation are just thinking, hey, we should go directly to biometrics. I mean, in this case, I'm feeling that most of the data trends are just accelerating. If we wanted to make some of these changes in five to 10 years, we might have to do them now in two to three years. Um, other thing that, that, that is really interesting is the, how sponsors are reacting to this new situation for them. They used to have some uh, uh, physical assets in the past given by the class in exchange for money, in exchange for other value in kind and so on. The belief now what's happening is that the, the, there's a big change, there's a shift happening where the, because there's no other, there's no other thing that we can sell physically and the sponsors are wanting to go into some other stuff in digital, like for example, data. Every time more, uh, my team uh, and myself, we are involved in, um, in let's say, in, in sponsor agreements where they are interested in detail assets. They're interested in, in fan base. They're inter they, they make more and more questions about who's your fan base, what type of data do you have from the people, how can I contact the people, can you contact those guys from me, how many newsletters are we sending, can we send notifications, and that's becoming more and more interesting. So, and that's being completely accelerated. And I'd say one of the last trends I'm looking is everything that's happening with broadcasting is incredible. Watching the NBA finals, it's just like being in a video game. So, yeah. um, and it's funny because in Spain, you now get uh, even, you get uh, fake people in the, fake crowds in the stands and so on. Uh, and it's funny because, so so uh, we are watching a, a real game, uh, trying to put fake, audio, fake uh, people on the stands. And in the other hand, every time you see FIFA or Pro Evolution Soccer and so on, they're trying to make the players more and more realistic. And, and they are, so I don't know, is this at some point converging in the future? I mean, will we tell the difference in, I don't know, 50 years time from what is a video game, from what is a real game or the other way around? Maybe people at some point decide that the real game is so much similar to the video games that I might, I might just play the video game and forget about the real game. I don't know. So I see there's there's many things happening at the same time. This is just boiling every day. There's so many things happening: augmented reality, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, virtual reality, also video games, esports. Uh, it's just a really nice, really nice time. If you like keeping up and you don't mind reading a lot and working extra hours, it's a it's a really exciting time in, in the sports world, and I'd say in, in football in particular. Absolutely. Franco, you mentioned all these innovations moving forward. And with a lot of awesome ideas moving forward, it also we don't, um, well, there are also challenges. And I'll, I'll, I'll name one challenge. 
change management. How, and you can share you from your own experience, when you come up with this kind of an, um, of an awesome idea to implement and, and share with the board, with the chairman and president of the, of the club, what is the, their reaction and how usually you are um, convincing them that, hey, look, this is, I understand you're, you're in, the, in an executive role, but still, you know, like first reaction when it comes to technology and digital, there might be just mm. like, oh, another piece of technology. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've got to say that I'm, I'm lucky because uh, the current chairman president is quite uh, straightforward in the sense of technology. He, he really sees the value in everything we're doing quite fast. Um, I'd say it's harder with other colleagues and coworkers and so on. But basically change is about, um, it's about people, it's about mindset. It's about people knowing what they used to do and change scares people. It creates friction with people because basically uh, it means more work usually, or it means not more work by doing things different from what they used to be comfortable with. And everyone is scared of not being able to measure up or level up and uh, restarting or resetting. Um, you have to be careful when, when doing these things. To me, what I... What I usually try to do is I'm, I'm completely agnostic on what should we be doing next. I just try and be uh, supported by data. So when I take the decisions, it's not me against other people in the board or other people, other directors or other coworkers and so on. It's basically, hey guys, it's not that I want to do this or we should be doing augmented reality. It's just that I'm saying we've got a problem here. Numbers tell me that we should do something and I've explored different options, and this seems the most reasonable uh, because this, 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 and that. Uh, it, otherwise, it's just uh, my opinion against your opinion. So usually, when I when, when we do changes, they always or they should always be supported by data, and that sometimes it helps other people understand. And you have to tell the story with the data. You have this important data storytelling. I've, I've realized it's not just hey, here you've got the data. You have to walk the people along the process, your thought process. Okay, we started here, we're doing this, and because of this, we went here, we got these numbers, and then we went there, and then I believe that this is the next way forward. Oh, I see. And even in that case, you probably have uh, short-minded people that say, no, I don't believe this is true, it doesn't apply, and so on. So, so you always have to be able to uh, recognize friction, don't, uh, don't fight in, in the sense that it's not me that is saying this. It's not that I want to do this. It's that I believe this is the way forward because looking at this data. So I'm happy to talk with you the process again. I'm sure if we walk this again two times, three times, you will agree with me. And and it has happened every single time. Some people uh, get the idea pretty fast. Some others take uh, a bit more of time. But basically, if you walk the people the process and this is a logic process and you're not jumping uh, to the conclusions fast without sharing your thought process, even though it takes more, the more likely you get the audience on your side faster. I think, uh, Franco, this, this one will be really valuable to, to smaller clubs and, you know, someone who is actually working in smaller clubs and they want to implement something new. How, when it comes from the KPI standpoint and setting those KPIs for the upcoming, you know, season, for example, or how long... Uh, for example, you guys are setting the KPIs for in order to see if that that idea is worth keeping in the long longer term or not. 
I'd say for people that I get this question a lot, many people say, how do I start doing data transformation, data transformation, data driven culture and so on. I say, I think uh, it's not about how much data you have. It's about how big are your dreams and you have to keep them quite small initially. I'd say if you are going to start, you probably want to have confidence from the people uh, around you. Uh, it's, it's, it's really common that whenever you start this type of things, uh, people do not support you. So uh, I say, don't go to huge goals, just stick to something really small where you can prove things really fast. And of course, uh, in this case, the, the, the most important KPI for everyone is probably revenue or uh, cost reduction or so on. So just focus on a simple task uh, to prove your goal really fast and, and and make that KPI valuable. So you, um, so you, so you mean, uh, sorry for interrupting. Uh, so you mean that when you start, when you propose an idea or something like this, it's better at the beginning to show that it has a tangible ROI, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You, okay, you, gotcha. you, you want to prove yourself uh, fast. You believe that data is the way to go forward. May, perhaps people in the organization do not believe that's the way forward. Uh, so if you go and do something really, really big, like for example, for example, playing Moneyball, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to prove that what you are doing has a, a result, right? Um, stick to something small, stick to something like, hey, I've realized that the uh, tickets that we gave away, uh, we're losing lots of money because we are uh, spending, uh, I don't know, and you should, let's do this, let's cut this and uh, see how much money we get in, in return. For example, with the, you know, every club has free tickets that they give away for the sponsors or for other people, or maybe, maybe just find a way, okay, I'm going to measure those I'm going to measure how many of those that we give away are really entering into the stadium. And then probably there's a relationship that, that those tickets that go away for free, not everyone is using them. So probably you should set at least a one euro, two euro, five euro, or maybe not give any free ticket at all. And then you probably uh, prove yourself that this is um, something that, that, that saves you money and it's not that bad and so on. So I don't know. You just have to stick to something small because what you want to win it's confidence from the people, from the chairman, the board, directors, whatever. Uh, and many people just go and do and try this huge, immense project. They spend a lot of money and then the results are not as expected because again, uh, it's just a matter of probability, data and so on. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, something's gonna end up being true. And, and, and I see many people fail because they try and do so many things. Uh, and, and initially, you should just prove yourself and gain confidence. And the more confidence you gain, you should try and test bigger projects and so on. Uh, that's the way to go forward, in my opinion. That's the way we started. We started with something really small, and then we we started growing fast. Just just so that you see, really simple example of how we started, of one of the things we did when we came here. We have to give away uh, around 40,000 flags. Uh, because it was the, the 100th birthday of Valencia, and we had to give 40,000 flags for our 40,000 season ticket holders, right? right. Uh, so someone decided, okay, so when should we do that? And say, well, there's, we could send them to their homes, but of course, uh, that's going to cost more money because sending, uh, you're going you're gonna to have to pay the courier and so on. So why don't we, uh, since there are going to be matches being played, why don't we give them the, the flags when the match is being played. But of course, not everyone attends every single match. So we decided to do this along three matches. 
So there was going to be people uh, in front of the doors uh, handing out flags. So uh, we said, how many people should there be? Because those people, uh, of course, you have to contract those people, you have to pay them and so on. Someone said, okay, let's put 20 people. There's something like 40 doors. Okay, so there's one people every two doors. And uh, so, so, and then they said, okay, so since the stadium has, of course, four sides, let's put just five people in every single one of the sides. I said, of course, that's one way to go, but we can do other things. If you want me, I can study the past entrances because not everyone goes through the same entrance. So right. let's look at what is the density for each entrance. And by looking at that, we realized, oh, north side, there's uh, many more people going than in the south side. So it should be six, five, five, and four, something like that kind of. Okay, and something said, that's, that's, that, that seems pretty well. So we are more optimized to hand out the flags. I said, okay, this is one way to go, but we could also analyze the age of the people that go in different sides. You, we have hospitality side, which usually the people with the highest age uh, attend on those side. So why is that? And the reason is that in order to hand the flag, there was an app that where you had to scan the code and so on and say, probably the, the, the people with the highest age are going to take more time because they are not going to be uh, that that uh, that that used to hand in, as a teenager in 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 doing the mobile phone thing and so on. So we should probably have extra people on that side. So at the end, we finished something like six, three, four, five, something like that. And and it was you will never know if if that was the best configuration or not. But by saying this, people started realizing, oh, of course, we could look at data. Instead of just saying, let's do this because whatever reason or no reason at all, someone is at least taking the time to analyze how people behave. And this gives me the confidence, at least for the security director, for the human resources director, that we are the best place or optimized as much as possible in, uh, for this situation. So that was just a very silly example and really easy. It just took us like, I don't know, half an hour to prove. And people looked at us when we said that and say, hey, these guys, are, are, they do know what they're talking about. Right. Now it makes sense. And uh, also uh, shifting a bit to, uh, and I wanted to congratulate you going for 100% cashless, of course. That's, that's, a, huge, uh, that's a huge project. And uh, I hope it's going well. How how is the reaction, and how did especially the the the, um, the older generation got that, and how successful it's been? Uh, well, we we haven't tested in the stadium yet because it's not open. We we right. have gone cashless on our stores and so on. Uh, it it has started to be honest. It has started with a policy. So uh, we if people just want to pay in cash right now, we are still allowing them. But it has gone from around 30% of people uh, paying with uh, credit card cashless uh, to 70% paying with cash. It has gone to 92% paying cashless, 8% not paying cash, uh, sorry, paying cash. So right now it's the policy. So we say you should be paying by card, you should be paying by card. And, and because of the COVID situation, I have to say for the digital-minded people, COVID is, a, is an opportunity to all those recommendations make them policies as we have just done. So right. in this case, it gives us the opportunity. I also have to say that uh, in such a traditional world as is football, and we are a 101 year club, uh, so so we are really old and there's people that came here with their grandparents and so on. So it's kind of traditional and passionate. It's, it's quite a challenge to do things and change what and how things have been doing usually because there's also this 
uh, romanticism around everything that that involves football. Oh, ticket papers! I love ticket papers uh, uh, because I, I I make a collection of ticket papers. So I have to think in all the angles. But I also have to say that what I've learned is that there's a really 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 thin line uh, from what is really inconvenient and what is laziness. Um, basically, the again going to the flag example. When we told people, oh, you can download the, the app and so on, almost no one downloaded the app. Uh, no, because I'm old, they don't know how to use the app and so on. But sometimes, but then we, we, we handed out a flag in return if you download the app. And, some, and somehow everyone just knew how to do it. So it's a really thin line from, from something that is inconvenient. And, and you should keep pushing, uh, not because you, you, you think... Uh, but because you believe this is the, the, the right way to go. Um, and I, I, I tell you this, I've, I've faced many people saying, oh, no, like old people coming here. Oh, I don't know how to do the app thing. Just give me the flag and so on. And then you meet the guy and the guy says, wait a moment. My, my, my granddaughter sent me just a picture through WhatsApp and so on. So I said, oh, so, so, so you do know how to use the phone. <laughs> of course, it's because if I'm not in the WhatsApp group of the family, I don't get the picture from my granddaughter. <laughs> also, it's just that you are not enough motivated to do the things from Valencia. So you need to find the right motivation for everyone to do as you think is the best way to go. But you always are going to find friction when transforming things. But again, there's a really, really thin line between what is really inconvenient for someone and what is just mere laziness. Absolutely. And, you know, oh, you, you mentioned about the, uh, the paper tickets and so on. And we see this boom uh, in, you know, sports cards and, 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 and stuff like that. How do you see this, you know, sports memorabilia uh, when it comes to paper tickets? Because, you know, there are a lot of sports memorabilia, like, you know, tickets from the NBA finals in, I don't know, like 19, whatever, 1990s which are selling for a, for a huge, for a huge amount, you know, what do you see if every, all of this will go, you know, uh, paperless and someone will still want to, to get that paper ticket, you know, for, for, for their memory. And of course you never know in, in a couple of years, this, uh, this trend could go big and those paper tickets could, could be, do you think those will, will sports memorabilia, a part of it can go, could go digital or something? Well, uh, I mean, there's many, many ways to go. I mean, of course, uh, this memorabilia could just go to a digital collection. It has happened to, to other places and, and why not here? Or maybe we could just uh, still issue those, those tickets, but uh, not with uh, an entrance code, but just uh, for the sake right. of collections, let's say. Uh, so it could be one of, of one other goodie that we just sell on the on the store, for example. So um, maybe we just sell I don't know 100 of them every game, uh, without and those those tickets do not access you uh, the stadium, so you cannot enter with those tickets. I'm just I'm just uh, right. brainstorming here, and just for the sake of of having those collections. Um, but uh, yeah, there's always going to be. The transition from paperless to um, from paper to paperless is 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 still uh, something that we are still figuring out. Um, should it be done in a period of time, kind of what happened in Europe with the euro and every every country's local currency, 
Uh, we had, I remember, three, four, five years for everyone to start using Euro, and five years from that day, or three years from that day, uh, your local currency was not allowed anymore. Or should it be done uh, rewarding the early adopters, or uh, the other way around, maybe just punishing the late adopters, like kind of, for example, what Ryanair does. You you know, Ryanair is a, it's a local air company um, in Europe, and if you don't have printed or you don't have uh, the passbook of your flight, they don't have a problem with that. They just charge you 25 euros. So um, it's just finding, again, the right motivation for people to make a change. You, you cannot expect people to change just because you think the change is better. You need to somehow reward them, make them feel that this is better, this is faster, this is um, safer, this is cheaper. You need to find some motivation for them. Otherwise, you are not going to make them change. No one changes just for the sake of change. Franco, in uh, two and a half years with Valencia, and of course, because you're, you're originally from, from Valencia, what has been your top memory connected with Valencia CF of all time? Of course, my, my first year I was here, we, we went to the Champions League. We had a really tough year because we started really, really bad. Uh, the games were, we were not winning games. We were tying lots of games. And then suddenly we started winning some games. We made it to the final, the Copa del Rey final for the first time in 11 years. We won the final against Barcelona. And I believe that was the, the year, I believe that it was everything perfect. We had, we had to work a lot. Uh, preparing a final is not easy and we weren't used to it. Uh, at least I wasn't used to it. And most of the people, the last one was happening 11 years ago. So um, the, the seeing not only that your work was meaningful to so many people, but also uh, it was so rewarding to feel that the, the people were very happy. Uh, it was just an experience that, that, that I really um, would like everyone to, to experience at some point in their lives. Plus also it was my local team, so I was double happy. I was happy because I was a fan, and I was happy because as an employee, it was making, I was with my job making people happy. Uh, so I'd say that was the best part where uh, professional and personal uh, experience joined together in a really uh, in a really nice year. Do you, do you have a specific game that you have in your mind that you attended, which is still in in your head all the time? You mean of that year or uh, of, of no in general, in like with uh, of, of any of any sporting events? Let's make it more. Well, fun. of course, uh, Valencia played a couple. Uh, Champions League final consecutively on 2000-2001. The Gen Z probably won't remember that, but uh, (laughs) we, the older generation, I was there. I was there with my dad. We played Bayern Munich in Milan and and we lost in the penalty shootout. Um, And that was really, really hard because, you know, for for, a club, the Champions League is the most uh, important title you can ever win. Uh, since then, we have not even been close to to repeat uh, another final. So we played two years of final in a row. First year we we lost, but then the second year we thought that we had enough experience to 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 win the final, and it was a pity because it was just you know penalty shootout is completely a, a lottery. And from a perspective yeah. of 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 what uh, event live event has impressed me the most, I always say this: it was Ryder Cup golf uh, event in Paris 2018. I've been to World Cups, I've been to Euro Cups, I've been to many soccer matches, football matches, um, uh, NFL, MLB, um, NBA. And to me, the most impressive has been 
the golf tournament between Europe and USA was amazing. And it's just because it's not a stadium, you know, golf course is a huge stadium because there's 18 holes and it's like six kilometers wide. So it's not like all the other sports where you play in a stadium and this has a definite dimensions. Football, soccer could be bigger, smaller, but it, it is a stadium built around that a court or something like that. But uh, golf, it wasn't like that. So people kept moving. It, it, it was like kind of a moving stadium. The atmosphere, uh, feeling the players. I mean, you could just be like really close to the players. Uh, Tiger Woods was there. Most, uh, a couple of Spaniards were there. And to me, it was the most impressive event I've ever been to. All right. Do you have a, because um, it just uh, gave me an idea of a question. Who is someone that inspires you? It can be both an athlete or it can be a professional in the sports industry. Uh, from an athlete's perspective, there's, there's many, uh, fortunately, there's many Spanish players that, that, that impress me. People like Rafa Nadal with their mindset and their, their constant way of how he fights challenges, or Pau Gasol or, or uh, some, some golfers like uh, Severiano Ballesteros, for example. Uh, in terms of professionally speaking, uh, my innovation, um, my innovation culture, uh, and the guy I look to the most is not a, a sports, um, it's not a sports professional, but he's a tech guy. It's, it's, it's Elon Musk, of course, like everyone else. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, it's the guy that I, I believe has uh, ruptured and transformed the most. Uh, not only companies, but sectors itself. Like I don't know, it's huge. Uh, I like reading everything that he does. I know there's a huge hype. I know that probably people that know him um, won't share uh, how, but 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 he's really transforming everything he does. That's and it's amazing. He he has a real innovation mindset, and and I really try and, and learn from from how he ruptures and breaks whatever used to work is not working anymore. I want to change this, and and not because I don't know what I'm talking about doesn't mean I, I might not be right and it's impressive absolutely and uh, franco this is the part where we will make it all about the listeners and uh where we give the ultimate value to them um from your point of view what advice would you give to the guys and gals um out there who want to work in sports we also can connect it with with valencia cf because you know the culture of the organization um what skills are you looking at when uh, getting someone on board? For me, uh, and for if, if I speak about the departments I, I manage, I'd say uh, the most important is that you are not afraid to learn. You are not afraid to change. Uh, no matter what skill set you have, uh, you have to be prepared to to uh, go full into uh, the job. And I'd say if if you are about to choose what you are doing, I'd say there is a really special skill set, which is uh, people from marketing, you can go two ways. People from marketing, learning a lot about digital. Uh, so basically, uh, it's meeting in the middle uh, between digital and marketing. I think, I think that is a, a, a nice combination of skill set. You can be a tech guy, like, like I was a computer science engineer or telecoms engineer or whatever engineer, and learn about marketing, or you could go the other way other way around you can study marketing or administration or management and learn about a lot about tech either way you just meet both of those things in the middle and i believe that combination of skills um, can get you far 
uh, not only in Valencia CF, but that is uh, something that most of the companies, football clubs, sports clubs in general, leagues and so on, are, are, are willing to find. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. And, and that's for the listeners. Uh, I got um, a lot of DMs from you guys where you're, you're asking about word association. So we had, uh, Franco, we had this in the first 10 to 15 episodes where, we, where uh, I would invite the guests to play words associations game. And um, I took it off. So we're kind of uh, playing to see what, uh, what format is uh, best for, for, the, for the listeners. And they seem to, I got a lot of DMs asking like where it is. So uh, we're bringing it back and I'll play that with, with Franco. So um, Franco, I invite you to play with me words associations game. So I'll say, um, I'll say a word or a combination of words, a name, and just share, tell us your first reaction, first words that come to your mind. Sounds good? Okay. All right. Vincente Aparicio sta- statue in the stadium. Well, that was brilliant. Um, brilliant. Current Mestalla. Charming history. Levante. Rivals and friends. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Love it. The new Mestalla. Uh, wish. And last but not least, Real Madrid. I'd say uh, rivals. <laughs> yeah, rivals. It's, uh, yeah, nothing else. Yeah, you know, you know I'm wearing that badge a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Franco, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for, uh, for taking the time. I appreciate that a lot. And definitely it's, it's been an awesome one. And I truly believe we dropped a huge bomb of value here to, towards the listeners. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, I wish you all the best in, uh, in the future endeavors. Of course, you have a lot of responsibility, you know, from the digital and innovation aspect um, with the COVID. And um, I wish you all the best. Uh, in, the, in the future. So um, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for having me here. I really enjoyed the time and I wish you all guys and yourself, Jenny, a uh, uh, really nice career. Uh, the best of luck and hope we meet in either conferences or in the sports industry at some point. That was it for this episode with Franco Segara, the Digital Innovations Director at Valencia CF. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcast or any other platforms that you're listening to this podcast. It means a lot to me and also help the channel and the podcast grow. Don't forget about the Instagram series that is going to start very soon. So go to my Instagram at huge.pro. That's eug.pro. And For now, stay safe and healthy, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Peace out.